Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Brooks is back, baby. I think he's back. I don't know. Live and I will decide if he's back this week at the CJ Cup, and we'll debate if there's anything better than two weeks in Vegas. There is something better than two weeks in Vegas. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast, brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw if you've got a fade? If you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned, making P790 the forged face, the speed foam, and all its DNA, and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling robbery begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo code GOLFCHANNEL for free two-day shipping on any order. Good to see you again, Lab. This is the only way you and I even talk to each other anymore. It is, at least at least until the Masters, where we uh, just got credentialed and looking forward to, to heading there in about a month's time. Let you inside the cracked egg of that is our world. The pre-pod uh, discussion was about if we could drive together in the same rental car up to the <laughs> The answer is a big fat no. No, we cannot because this is as close. Never mind that we're going to be sitting within arm's length of each other for a week. Six feet. You, you, read, the, you read the email. Six feet. The chairs, are, the chairs might not even move. We are we're perfectly to, stationed. We're going to talk masters. We're going to get into it because we're about a month out later in the podcast. But right now, I wanted to start because you wrote a very good column yesterday on Brooks Kepka, just about his return, everything he's been through. It was not only a left knee injury, it was also a left hip injury. There were some shots involved. There might be more surgery in the future. future. But the one thing I had to do after I read your column, because you're always looking for more context when it comes to Brooks, and so I went through the transcript. There was no more context. I mean, to have him go through this extended break and to come out the other side and still be too cool for school guy, it just baffles me still. Yeah, he's not, he's not dropping that, that facade. It doesn't matter if, if he's been away for two months or, or six months or, or 12 months. He, he said he still expects to win. That's not going to be an issue for him to walk four rounds. Obviously, he's going he's gonna to make the cut and collect some Players Cup points and some money this week. Regardless, uh, I still have some major question marks about the state of Brooks Cup. You mentioned that he's back, and yes, literally he is back competing this week for the first time in two months. I'm not sure he's going to be back figuratively for a while. And I think you can just start with the basic fundamentals that he he just started hitting a balls again ten days ago, and he was seemed to be pleasantly surprised by the quality of his shots. But there are some serious red flags here, Rex. It's, it's not just the fact that he needed another stem cell treatment on his ailing left knee, which has now bothered him for at least a year and a half. To me, it's the left hip. He had a cortisone shot two months ago in Boston, which, where he, he withdrew from the FedEx Cup playoffs and he's missed the last two months. A cortisone shot in his left hip. A cortisone shot is not a cure. 
a cortisone shot is prolonging the inevitable. It's it's allowing you to to practice or compete. It's Brooks masking Kepka, the pain. Yes, he acknowledged that he has a partially torn labrum in his left hip, and that if it does not improve, in which case, of course, a cortisone shot only temporarily improves. If it does not improve, he's looking at a nine-month surgery and recovery period. I mean, that's another lost year for a guy who just had a lost year in 2020. To me, there's some serious red flags here that I think he's he's just trying to mask with with the time away. I think you washed over my follow-up question was, do you think he can compete this week? So you're not, you don't have very high expectations as far as him competing. Uh, in, in terms of contending, no. I think it's just, there's too much, there's too much rust. Too much rust and everything else that goes into it. But I did want to touch on the nine months in the transcript in your story stood out to me because that is pretty much a year now on the PGA Tour. And he's already missed the better part of, let's call it half a year with injuries in his career. And they start to pile up when you're this young and it only brings it to my mind in the context of what we're seeing with Bryson DeChambeau now, because everyone can appreciate what Bryson is doing. Everyone can applaud it. However, if you really want to sit down and as Kaz just friendly pointed out that I did take Brooks in the mock draft, I'm going to go ahead and stick with him. (laughs) He's doing as well as some of my uh, regular fantasy football drafts are doing for me. However, it, it puts up so many red flags for not just Brooks going forward. And yes, once you start talking about a torn labrum, and what it means to the golf swing on that left side, where all your power, where, where you're releasing everything in the golf swing. I, I just, I, it makes me fearful. And I enjoy Bryson. I've gotten to the point now where I look forward to these discussions because it's so unique in the galaxy of golf. But if there was one thing that I'm going to be concerned about, it's going to be how he's going to hold up physically in the long term because you see how easy it is to go down this bad path. And Brooks has been on this path. You said a year and a half, I would call it almost two years. Brooks has been on this path basically since he turned pro. He's had he said remember he had the ankle issue the ankle uh injury that cost him some time in 2016 I believe. He kind of gutted it out 36 whole day at the PJ Championship just to try and make the Ryder Cup that year. He had the wrist issue that cost him at the beginning of 2018, missed the Masters, still went on to win two major championships that year. And now he has a, a knee injury which yeah, he still won a major in, in 2019. However, it was a it was an issue that that really plagued him, and he wasn't able to practice, and now it cost him all of 2020. To me, to me, the hip is a is a big issue. It it, it really is because that's it's been an issue that was compounded by the knee issue. It's something that he tried to gut through. Let's not forget he played six tournaments in a row this summer. Played eight of ten weeks, gutting through it. Clearly made it worse. I'm not sure this this is an issue that can just go away in two months. You just can't wish it away. At some point. Even if it's partially torn, it it needs to be repaired, and and that's going to cost him basically another year. And I don't know what the path forward is. To be quite honest with you, at this point, we don't have a litmus test for where this ends up. You can look at Tiger Woods, I guess, as that beacon of hope and light. That look how many physical things he has gone through. Look how many surgeries he has had, and he wins the Masters, and he gets Ranger number fifteen, and everything. However, as we have now repeated time and time again, he has more bad days than good days. And that's just the way the reality is now for a 40-something-year-old Tiger Woods. We're talking about Brooks Kepka, who is still very, very young, at least by golf standards, when you look at it. But when you start piling up all of these injuries, as you pointed out, the knee, the hip, the, the wrist, everything that, that goes into it, the, the only other fair comparison I can come up with is Jason Day, who has been riddled with injuries throughout his career. And I think that's probably 
the path you would think that Brooks would be on unless he finds some miracle way to weave his way out of this, to, to sit down, take a year off, get completely healthy and come back. And I don't know that he has that in him. And, and, and let's be clear, Brooks Kepka this year downplayed his injuries at every possible opportunity that he got. We would ask him over and over again, how's the knee? And eventually it became known that he had a hip issue. How's the hip? He even said at the PGA Championship, when he was clearly getting work done, everyone could see he was getting work done three times by a physiotherapist during the second round of the PGA Championship. He said it is nothing to worry about. Well, a partially torn labrum in your left hip, which is the side that you're exploding onto, that's a problem. And so in hindsight, it's actually impressive that he almost won a WGC event in Memphis, it's impressive that he was two shots off the lead heading into the final round of the PGA championship, um, that he was able to, to do this. But I think, you know, short and long-term is swing coach Claude Harmon, the third going to have to find another way for Brooks to swing, to, to kind of move around some of these ailments, because it's, it's not something that just went away in two months. It just, just doesn't magically disappear. Well, and if you look at players who have had true longevity in our sport, and I always go to Phil Mickelson, who has had sort of nagging injuries from time to time, but nothing serious enough nothing to put him on the show. Nothing serious besides a broken leg. Yeah, for a prolonged period of time. You can talk about the long swing, long careers. Uh, that's not Brooks. Brooks plays the game much, much different than he does. You look at other people who have had long, prolonged careers. So far at this point, Roy McIlroy has fallen into that outside of the kickabout, whatever that means. I mean, he's been relatively injury-free. Again, I think there is some sort of blueprint there for him to follow. I just don't – I just think they're two different people, two different athletes, two wildly different swings. And I don't know – Claude can tinker with that swing and change it up, but how much can you really save at this point in his career? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily think Brooks was the kind of player that we were going to see play late into his mid to late 30s, certainly not into his – into his forties, you know, he had a, he had a window here of, of three to five years and it'd be, it, it, I think it'd just be a shame um, if, if injuries cost him this, this prime of his career, because he was going hard at it. He wanted to go as hard as he possibly could until 35. I, I just hope he can get over these issues and, and play the good golf and the major championship caliber golf that we've seen him play. Transition to what has become, I, I believe it's a sponsored segment. If not, then it's certainly a required segment. Your boy Wolfie comes up just short again this week in a playoff that's back to back. Top two finishes from Matthew Wolf. How are you going to judge this one? Are you going to remain the fanboy that you are and say that he's trending in the right direction, or is there true disappointment? Disappointment? He went 61-66 on the weekend. Disappointment? How, how could you be disappointed with that? It was Martin Laird the, who hit a shot on 17 that was just off the rails and then somehow made up and down, and then and bogeyed 18 to drop into the playoff. Uh, look, I think you you have to be impressed with what uh, Matthew Wolf has, has done over the past – I would call it since since what was that June or July when when Bryson kind of ran him over in Detroit, but but you look at, at what he was able to do in Vegas, birdie on 15, hit a 375 yard drive on 16 to set up an eagle and and I I know he's he just has one PGA Tour victory to his credit about he's up to 12th in the world. You look at where he was on June 28th, which is what less than four months ago he was 108th in the world. And everyone was saying, oh, Colin Morikawa, you know, he's going to be the best of the bunch. Oh, it's Victor Hovland. He won in Puerto Rico. He's going to be the best of the bunch. Don't forget about Wolf. And I'm looking now at Augusta National, and it's, it's a player. I know a Masters rookie hasn't won since 1979. Uh, this reminds me a lot of what Jordan Spieth was able to do in 2014. 
you know, he was what I think you're comparing Matthew Wolf to Jordan Spieth. Uh, yes. If you look at age comparisons, absolutely. Uh, yes, I needed you to gas bag there for a couple of minutes, and you did, did a very good job because Tito Thank you, clearly I could did see not... your dog. You were you were That's gonna right. you're gonna you're gonna beat your dog with a was it a towel? Uh, it was a pin at first. He clearly was not intimidated by that, so I had to turn to the, to the towel, and hopefully the terrible towel scared him enough. But you gas bagged enough on Wolfie, your boy. Comparing him to Jordan Spieth seems extreme, but all right, I think extreme. He's well, extreme. How many majors has Matthew Wolf won? I'm sorry, did I miss one? Put all his majors in a box. Put all Jordan Spieth's majors in a box. Who's got more majors? I'm going to help you out there. It's Jordan Spieth. And how many majors did Jordan Spieth win in his first two years on tour? I don't think he won. The answer is zero. Okay. All right. He's trending in a good direction. He won his first major at the 2015 Masters. I believe it might be fanboy territory, though, for you to say he's on a Jordan Spieth trajectory at this point. Matthew was 21 years old. He just led after 54 holes. Of the U.S. Open, you don't think that he's trending upward and would be a oh. great fit at the Masters with his uh, towering ball flight, with his right-to-left ball flight, with his streaky putting. You don't think that Matthew Wolf is potentially going to be a factor at the Masters? You've asked me three questions, so yes, he's definitely trending up. Uh, yes, I can definitely see with that particular skill set, him being able to contend and him being one of the favorites going into the Masters. But as Butch Harmon told me years and years ago in context of Ricky Fowler getting that first major, yes, but until he does it, it doesn't matter what he's accomplished. Matthew Wolf's so I'm going to withhold judgment like as far months old. Great. And again, I'm not taking anything away from what he has done so far in his young career. It sounds like phenomenal. I'm really not. I'm trying to dial you up back from being a fanboy is what I'm actually honestly trying to do. There's nothing fanboy about it. He's finished second in each of his last two starts, third time in his last 10. What he's doing is historic. It's Jordan Spieth-esque. I'm not going to. Oh, here, here's a good one from Kaz. He, Wolf is plus, this can't be right, 4,100 to win the Masters? Well, Bry, all right, it is. So Bryson would be the favorite at, at plus 1,000. Okay, so that would a, put him. Here, here, here you want a stat, Rex? Matthew Wolf, really. age 21, is now the fourth youngest player since 1983 to have four top two finishes on the PJ Tour. Can you name the Can you name the other three? Uh, Tiger Woods, sure. Jordan Spieth, sure. The other three, Phil Mickelson. Nope, Sergio Garcia. Okay. What Matthew Wolf is doing at age 21 is historic and on a Spieth-like trajectory. There is zero denying that. Matthew Wolf nearly won the PGA Championship. Matthew Wolf was the 54-hole leader at the U.S. Open. Need I remind you, he was in college in May 2019. Need I remind you, that was 17 months ago that Matthew Wolf was in college. Jordan Spieth did not win a major championship until his third year on tour. Every time I bring up his name, I, I, I five minutes later, I feel bad that I brought up his name. Okay, you convinced me he is the next Jordan Spieth. Uh, I, I feel like that we've already trampled that subject to death. Big fan of Matthew Wolf. Just think you might have a little high ceiling for him. But time will tell on that one. The other story that cropped up last week, and again, this is much like Brooks. You go looking for more context because it was Matthew Fitzpatrick. Matthew Fitzmagic. What's that? Let's be honest. You got to go with that one. The Fitzmagic. Uh seemed to take some shots at Bryson DeChambeau and what he was doing and saying that hitting the ball a long way is not a skill. Now, I don't find Fitzpatrick to be an overly critical person, although he does spend time around Rory McIlroy. So I 
I would say that he probably speaks his mind. But in this particular conversation, I don't know if he was necessarily criticizing Bryson. Actually, I don't think he was criticizing Bryson as much as he was criticizing where he sees the game going. Do you disagree with him or agree with him that hitting it a long way is not a skill? Yeah, I think it came off as as a criticism of Bryson when he was intending it to be a criticism of where the governing bodies had let the game go. It's like it's that situation. Don't hate the play. hate the game. Like that's what Matthew Fitzpatrick is is trying to say now and that that Bryson and players of his ilk are making a mockery of the game where I think that he, he missed the mark was saying what Bryson has done is not a skill because I, I would agree that hitting it a long way is, is not a skill, but what Bryson is doing is he's still relatively accurate while cranking up to speeds that we really haven't seen before on the PGA tour and at least at a competitive level while still hitting. No, you can say it's not a skill. No, absolutely, it's a skill. I I, I don't but know, but I'm saying there's a reason. There's a reason why, like Tony Finau and Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy and Cameron Champ, all those guys that we say they've got that next level distance. They've got that extra gear that when they want to, they can they can dial into that and and hit it twenty to thirty yards further. There's a reason why they don't swing out of their shoes. It's because they know that they would hit it off the planet. But what Bryson has done is he has managed to swing as hard as he possibly can, but also keep it on the planet, also keep it in play. That has to be that, a skill, does it not? That is a skill. That is okay. a skill. There is a reason why the longest hitters on PGA Tour don't do that. It's because they can't. Now, Bryson has kind of created this, this, this model or this, this mode that all the long hitters want to get into. Roy said it's, it's speed season now, and I'm curious to hear what he's going to say when he speaks to reporters today in Las Vegas of what he's trying to accomplish because previously those guys didn't want to tap into that extra gear because they knew they weren't going to be able to keep the ball in play. No, I would agree with that. And I, again, I see what, where Matthew's coming on this front. It's a concern for a lot of different people. However, when traditionalists start saying that, well, look what he's making a mockery of the game. I just think he's continuing to march the game in the direction we've been heading in a long time. He may have taken a bigger step than people were used to, than people were comfortable with him taking at this point in time, we're going to get there eventually though. Whether if it was Bryson DeChambeau or whoever 10 years from now, they're going to continue to test the boundaries, whether that's equipment or with your body or with teaching or with electronics and technology, whatever the case may be, they're going to continue to move in that direction. And I just don't know how, again, I'm going to just assume that Fitzpatrick was aiming these at the rule makers more so than they were at Bryson because everyone seemed to think he was criticizing Bryson. And I don't think he was, what he was actually criticizing is just the idea that the rule makers can't do anything to stop this. However, I, I would pose two double questions coming back. Do you want to, do, do you really want to stop this? Number one, number two, how would you do it? You can't keep them out of the gym. You're not going to keep them from tinkering. They're going to continue to do that. So the only way to do it is to dial back the golf ball or the club head or whatever the case may be. And I just don't see an appetite for that right now. Yeah, I think Matthew Fitzpatrick, who ranks outside the top 100 in driving distance, was frustrated and that he feels like when Bryson's on and Bryson's doing what Bryson does, which is occasionally hit at 350 straight down the middle, uh, everyone else is going to be playing for second place. And I think that's where the frustration is because the governing bodies let it get to this point where someone like Bryson could come along and exploit the innovations in golf and, and do what he's been able to do uh, in, in 2020. And I'm not sure there is an easy fix. I think, I think it's already gone too far. Like, as you mentioned, Bryson is going to find a way to, to, 
to continue to exploit some of his advantages. Matthew Fitzpatrick, if he says that he can gain 40 yards, he should probably go ahead and do it because this is how the game is, is currently played, and he'd, he'd be wise to, to try and keep up at this point. One of the other headlines that stood out to me this week, and you wrote the story about Dustin Johnson, the world number one, having to withdraw yesterday from the CJ Cup. He's the 15th player on the PGA Tour to test positive for COVID-19. And I was just kind of struck when I sat down to start taking notes for today's podcast that I don't know if you got the new media guide from the PGA Tour, but on the cover of the new media guide is player of the year, Dustin Johnson, and rookie of the year, your boy, Scotty Scheffler, both of whom have been yep. sidelined the COVID, since the, the, the COVID kids. Uh, well, there's 15 of them, so I don't know if you can really put them all into that group together. But I, I went back to the original question that we all had when we started in June, that how many positive tests were too many positive tests? And there was not an answer from the PGA Tour. I'm not quite sure there was an answer. But when you look at what has happened the last few weeks in the NFL, which, by the way, the COVID testing and the positive tests and the camps getting shut down and the games getting moved and postponed is wreaking havoc with my fantasy football. I, I am not enjoying fantasy football season like I normally do because it's requiring probably because way you need a better commissioner. You probably uh, need a better league commissioner. I am the league we've commissioner. Had, we've had, we've like had no name. such troubles in mine. We've had uh, uh, an abundance of troubles. Let's just leave it at that. However, I think there is a conversation now in the NFL that the competitive integrity of the events is starting to be impacted. Certainly the Tennessee Titans game. This week, I think they had two days of practice in a week and a half span or something along those lines. Now, granted, 16 they won days, the- two practices, they- none of them in pads in 16 days. And yet they won the game. And yet they won the game. However, I don't know that you could say that was not a competitive disadvantage. And again, this goes back to the competitive integrity. Once you start getting into the world number one, let's say Dustin Johnson is by far the highest profile player who has had to withdraw because of testing positive for COVID-19. Tony Finau would be a close second. That was just last week. And so now we have 15. The question is, do we ever get to a point in golf where let's face it, the PGA tour has done a phenomenal job of keeping things on track and not letting this get sideways. There was a time back around the travelers that we thought, well, this is getting out of hand. However, when you look at where we're at right now in football, and it's a very similar loose bubble in golf, can you imagine the conversation that we're going to have someday on this podcast is the competitive integrity of the PGA tour is starting to be impacted. What? I think, I think that time has probably passed. I think we were potentially looking at the Travelers Championship, and that's when Jay Monahan addressed us. He sent a stern note to the players, and, and everyone kind of whip, whipped into shape at that point. I don't, I don't think we've reached a, a, a critical point at all. It's not like we're having no, no, not now. Now that now the, the, the players of prominence, um, it's, I think it's certainly, a, it's certainly a disappointment. You know, we, everyone wanted to see what the world number one and reigning FedEx Cup champion was going to do this week at shadow Creek where he, he owned the old course record. And, you know, next week at Sherwood, it's still uncertain whether he's going to be able to, to tee it up next week, at the Zozo championship. He's kind of entering that, that gray area of 10 days of self-isolation slash no symptoms. So um, we'll, we'll have to see how he can play. Uh, but I, I, I do see your point Rex. And if I'm a player, I'm not playing. I'm like, I'm putting myself in my own bubble two weeks before the masters. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we're seeing cases across across the country spike. Um, I think you, there's some anecdotal evidence, at least, of virus fatigue setting in. This is something that we've all been dealing with now for six, seven, eight months. Um, and certainly some virus fatigue is, is sitting in. But this is no time to get lax with some of the protocols or some of the guidelines or, or some of the behaviors that, that we're seeing. 
um, there's still some important golf to be played the rest of the year. And I would just be very wary if I was a player of, of potentially putting myself in harm's way for the final major of the year. And again, I just bring this up and we are not, I'm not trying to be alarmist here at all. And, and to your point, I think a lot of players have already put themselves in their own bubble. Certainly when you talk to Roy McElroy earlier this season, so you talk to Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth about how they have created these houses of their own where they have chefs and those chefs don't leave the house and the food is delivered and everything that pretty much you saw with the NBA and their bubble. That being said, imagine a scenario where we have three or four of the top 10 players in the world not being able to play at Augusta. In my mind, that's a problem from, from a com- competitive perspective. Yes, it, it, it certainly would. And it seems like we're having more and more um, of these WDs for COVID-related reasons. And it, what, it's been three um, since the beginning of the U.S. Open with Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, and now Dustin Johnson. It seems like the players, when they come back from break, when they were – home doing their own thing and now they're going to a tournament they're getting caught up in the pre-tournament screening that that's where the the red flags seem to happen and so a lot of the top level players they're going to be playing this week the cj cup uh the following week sherwood for the zozo championship and then they're taking those two weeks off they're they're not going to play in bermuda and some of them i know brooks kepka signed up for houston dustin johnson is committed to play in houston those are really the the headlines for that tournament everyone else is taking two weeks off lock yourself in a bubble do the right thing, head up to Augusta, uh, and hopefully we have a, a Masters tournament that is not going to be uh, remembered by who is not there and, and rather uh, the best players in the world competing for a green jacket. I uh, hate having the COVID conversation this late in the season, but had to do it. Uh, two more topics before I let you go. One is, and this one struck me, uh, and I, neither one of us, let's be honest, or would be anything close to a, an example of what fashion should look like on, on the golf course. You... Particularly Speak to yourself. yourself. You can't even dress yourself. I knew you're where looking, you were going with this. Rex, you were looking at the 2005 Canadago Academy Best Dressed Award in the yearbook. I won the Best Dressed was ironic. That had to be ironic. Now, the, the irony, of course, is that I am, I am wildly colorblind. And so... My I was mother, not going to say that. I was going to see if I, you were My mother that. used to pick out my clothes. Just as my wife, we've been, we've been together since late... 2009 she's picked out my clothes constantly i haven't i've no i don't go to a mall anyway uh because of covid reasons but i wouldn't i haven't stepped inside a mall in 15 years now my wife has amazon packages or 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 other packages show up every every day uh at our house but she has picked out my clothes the point being rex is that i'm i wouldn't say a fashion icon um but i would say i am very snazzily dressed no you, on the other hand, that. you, on no the other hand, it's a little dodgy. No, no one else would you're, say that. You were trying to make those, you're trying to make those reading glasses work, which were clearly your wives. Um, uh, they were not. That was a, but, that was a big, that was a big swing and a miss. Let's, can we just, can we just, can we at least admit that? Uh, no, they were not. They were a friend of my wife's to, to be even more specific. And it's not about making them work or not. It's the ones I simply have not lost yet. So that's really what this is all about. <laughs> you, Once I lose sat the, on and crushed. Right. I haven't kept left them in an airplane seat. I haven't dropped them walking out of a media center. Uh, but the point of this whole fashion thing, and neither one of us have room to talk here. I don't know why you felt compelled to be backed into a corner. I need, to stand, up, I need to stand up for my record. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm positive that award was given ironically. However, there was all kinds of silly heat on social media about Hatton's victory this weekend at the BMW PGA oh on the God. European tour. And he was wearing a hoodie. I don't have a problem at all with the hoodie. 
Like, I like the hoodie. I think it's when it's cold. I thought it was a good look. Uh, do you hate the hoodie or is it okay? No, I, I love that look. I, I, do I too. actually want one. I, I thought I do too. I, I thought he looked really good. Like I, I thought they were actually pretty sweet. I think th- this is was this a, just a straw man argument where people actually upset. Like I didn't see anti, I didn't see any anti hoodie takes, but all of a sudden it just blew up into this anti hoodie controversy. Yes, who, and to the who, point who, that who there, in their right mind would have an issue with this. There is actually there was actually a golf club in the UK who felt compelled to put a, a notice on their website saying that in after. Patton's victory with the hoodie on and it was so popular they needed to point it out that hoodies are not acceptable at their golf course so just like you know short socks and whatever else you want to wear in the uk yeah. the same you the same not- issue is that the same issue where i couldn't wear white socks I, they had to be gray or black uh yes, yes same that, same club yes probably the exact same club i don't want to die in the, the club. game you cannot wear white socks you can i like the hoodie. hoodie and this goes Love back to the hoodie. I, I like the, the hoodie the polo hoodie that JT was wearing, yeah, he's been wearing it probably for a year, year or two now. Uh, Cass points out he loves the Adidas hoodies. I think all of them look pretty good. I think Peter Millar. Send us be- hoodies. Send, send us hoodies. hoodies. I'd love we're- to wear it. Now, it's it's still 90 degrees here, but maybe one day for maybe in January or February. I'd love to wear a hoodie. Love yeah. it. I think it's a great can- look. I do think, think it's a great look. I, I want to close on this one. We are back-to-back, second consecutive week in Las Vegas. We have a friend who is a fellow golf writer who could not be happier that he is working these two weeks in Vegas because Vegas is his happy spot. And if they would just have every tour event somewhere in Vegas, he would be more than like, he would we're be not over gonna, the we're moon. We're not going to name him, are we? Not going to name name Steve DiMeglio. But I think that's how we get into this is if you had to pick where you would want to cover a tour event in back-to-back weeks, and they've done a very good job in look, keeping the, the traveling circus in one city in back-to-back weeks is, is fun. I, I get it. It's safe. We, we should do it more. However, I don't think anybody would pick Dublin, Ohio. Nothing against Dublin, Ohio, but they had back-to-back events there. And now Las Vegas. It, they Neither one of those places are on my list, but I'm going to leave it open to you. Where would you most want to play back-to-back? Vegas, actually, it might be like towards the bottom of my list, if not last. First of all, I'm, I'm, not, wow. a, I'm, not, a, I'm not a gambler. Are, that do is a have strong shows? tape. Do they even have like shows now? Like they, they, have, they have terrific restaurants in Vegas, but it's just – Frankly, it's it's just it's just not my scene. That's that's not to denigrate those for for whom it is, uh, but Vegas might be last in my scene. Uh, look, you and I, you and I both love New Orleans, right? Like we absolutely love New Orleans. However, two weeks in New Orleans, I'm gonna need like a a week long shower when I when I come back from that. It's just it's just not gonna be great. So to answer also, your a, question, a trip Rick, to your cardiologist as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so to answer your question. Uh, I would want to have one in the Monterey Peninsula, no doubt about it. That's how it's going. Very good. Uh, back to back. And and Kaz wanted to chime in here. He said anything more than three days. In oh Vegas, Maui, great call, Kaz. Good, good call. I don't know if I agree with that though. And and the reasoning is, and and I love going to Maui. I mean, that's a great way to start the year. You've done the you've done the double dip in Hawaii. I do the now, double. It wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't Maui. It's completely different. It is completely different. It, but two weeks in Maui, you would start feeling, and I have spoken with people who've moved over to work for the tournament, and you get starting, you feel a little separated from the world when you're on Maui. I mean, it's beautiful if you're Five there for a week. difference from those in, in the East? Yes, everything about it. You're, you feel like you're kind of on your own planet away from the world. Everything else that's happening is away from you. Now, if you could spend two weeks in Honolulu, I think I'd be I, I'd be okay with that one. But I, I'm with you. I think the Monterey Peninsula, for a couple of different reasons. One, it's beautiful. It's every day that the drive to the office would be very, very nice Two, the golf courses are there. Oh, you can, there's yeah. no shortage of, of great golf options there where you could 
spend two weeks and not get bored. And I would almost said, and this was before this year's PGA, I would have said San Francisco, but I have withdrawn that dramatically. So that I did. Why? What was wrong with what was wrong with San Francisco this year? The uh, people of uh, people of San Francisco would would love to hear. It was freezing cold, and that has nothing to do with the people of San Francisco. You just was, needed a hoodie. You just needed I, a hoodie. I did need a hoodie. I did not have a hoodie, and because of the pandemic, again, this has nothing against the people of the good people of San Francisco, but there were no restaurants open at all. So you essentially doesn't every place your... suck in a pandemic? Uh, I mean, I was in Memphis for the pandemic. That was all right. I didn't mind Memphis. I didn't mind Hilton Head was 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 all right. I think I could have done Hilton Head two weeks. Hilton Head, I heard, was I a do. quote unquote zoo, wasn't it? I, I believe you're quoting is, the boy JT on that one, which is correct. which is perfectly your scene. Uh, Hilton Head, yes. Uh, sea Island would probably be a zoo as well. Cass says Scottsdale. I don't know about that one. I mean, you no, don't want two every, weeks of that every day's zoo. the same. Every day's the same there. You don't want two weeks of New York City crowds. You, you just don't do it. You don't want two weeks in Atlanta because of the traffic. I can keep going. I would do, I could do Pacific Northwest. Uh, there's enough golf courses in Washington State. Uh, not enough good ones. Not enough good ones. Not enough good ones. Sahali, Chambers. Really? Those why don't are the you drive, you drive a couple hours south to Bandon? Uh, I could do two weeks in Bandon. Now, if you're going to throw that Sun one. Sun River. Uh, yes, enjoy two weeks of weeks of rain lab. That that was Kaz's oh, response. What a stereotypical I'm, I'm, What about two weeks in San Diego? I could do that. Uh I could do that. Where would you have for a second tournament? The bridges? Uh, sure. You could do it there. I mean, again, nothing's gonna outshine Tory Pines, but I, I would be fine just doing it at Tory Pines two weeks in a row. I just I I think we should just do the Monterey Peninsula double. I think I think that should actually be like a tour staple. I'd love it. I'd just rather spend a month there. How about if we just do all of February at, in, on Monterey Peninsula? Uh, I think I'd rather do like August. No, and then you get the June gloom stuff. That's what I was talking about that happened in San Francisco. It's You said June. How about August? I don't know if it's... It I did, doesn't I did the, technically I did, start I did on the, the last US day amateur, I did the U.S. Amateur at, at uh, Pebble a couple years ago, the one that Victor Hovland won. It was glorious. Every day was sunny and 70. Sign me up. All right. And then uh, we did not touch, but I will be there next week for this podcast, Los Angeles. I don't know if the, I'd want to deal with the traffic for two weeks, but there's plenty what about of the good smog courses. and the smog. Uh, smog, the fires. We can keep going on. Neither one of us ha- has said Orlando and we live here. So if we, if people think we're being mean to other places, we yeah, won't even Vegas, mention our hometown. If Vegas was the last, or, or, Orlando <laughs> is right above. And that's only because my, my, my family is here. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, Orlando's last. Even if it was, what's that golf course next to you? Twin Eagles or whatever the one, even if it was, both of them were there, you still would not like the idea of having Absolutely to be there not. for two weeks. Absolutely not. I can't think of any... I, Vegas and Orlando just really neck and neck at the bottom of my list. All right. Well, I, I will talk to you next week from Los Angeles, which apparently was very close to the bottom of the list. Lab will still be in Orlando. That'll do it for this Golf Central podcast. We'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.